Well, welcome to Community Christian Church. My name is Ed Martin. I'm one of the pastors here. And we're really glad you're here to be with us. You know, anytime we do a series that has the word family in it, well, here's what we know. We know that there's some of you, you're sitting there and you're thinking, finally, a family series. Uh, we get to talk about family. And we call those people mom. <laughs> now, that's not completely accurate or fair or any of that. I get it. But, you, you know, I know that there are some of you and you're single parents, and I've heard from you that often you don't feel like people treat you like a real family. And we're going to talk, uh, you're, you're included in this series, and there's some of you that are just single. And you always feel like in family series you're excluded, but no, we're going to include you in this as well. Because really what we want to talk about is, well, we know that Everybody here is in a family. You've been affected by family. You have some things that you want or didn't like about a family. And there are people now, however you relate to them, that you treat as family, that they're, you act, react with them as family. What we really want to talk about is we want to talk about relationships. But we just didn't think the title, what happy relationships know, uh, rang, you know, it just wasn't as good as what happy families know, so we went with family. So, but we're really talking about relationships. Now, there are others of you that when you hear, well, we're talking about relationships, that didn't help you at all because you're thinking, I don't want to talk about relationships. And we call those people men. And that also isn't really fair and it's not completely honest. But here's what we know. If you're, if you're not really the relational kind of person, you're not that kind of person. When somebody says to you, hey, we need to talk about our relationship, you're thinking, huh. Do we have to fix something in the relationship? Because I didn't even know there was anything broke in the relationship. And I know the more relational people are like, well, no, we don't have to fix anything. I'm not saying anything's wrong. We just need, we just need to talk. We need to tune up. We need to check up. It's just it's good to talk about it. So over the next few weeks, we're, we're going to talk about this. And you're probably going to figure out that you're okay. But if you don't figure out that your relationship is okay, we want to give you some things to think about and really ways to talk about these things with some handles that you might not have thought about before. Now, as I already said, this is the first week of this new series. And if you're new to Community Christian, you may not know that when we start a series, uh, here's what you should know. Today is just the introduction. And what I mean by that is uh, there's not going to be much Bible in this today. We are going to have a little bit of Bible at the end. But if you came with your Bible and you're ready to flip it open and uh, you think to yourself when you leave here today, do they ever talk about the Bible? Well, yeah, we do. We talk about the Bible. And next week we're going to talk about the Bible a lot. And uh, so make sure you're back next week. But if you leave here later and you think, well, I didn't really get fed, well, that's because I was just setting the table. <laughs> That's all I was doing today. This is just the introduction. I'm setting up everything we're going to talk about over the next few weeks. And next week, we're going to look at one of the best relational passages in all of the Bible. So you make sure you're here next week. But what I want to do today is I want to talk about something that happens in every relationship. And it doesn't matter what kind of relationship it is. Uh, marriage, friendship, parent-child, in-law work relationships, this exists in it, and it almost always causes problems. And it's not like something new. You're not going to hear me and go, oh, I never thought about that. You know these things, but you might not have had a way to put a handle on it so you could think about it and talk about it before. And that's what I want to try to get us set up for uh, today as we talk about this. So here we go. In every single relationship, no matter what it is, we all have this invisible box of hopes and dreams, 
and desires. In every relationship, we all carry around this invisible set of hopes, dreams, and, and desires. We keep them in a, uh, we'll call it a box. And it happens everywhere. If you're dating someone, you go into that with some hopes and dreams and desires for that relationship. And if you get married, you go into that marriage and you have some hopes and dreams and desires you carry around with you in this box. You, you become a parent and you have hopes, dreams, and desires for your kid. Your kid will eventually have hopes and dreams and desires for you as a parent. And then when your kid grows up and they get married and start their own family, you have hopes, dreams, and desires about how you're going to interact with their new family and your grandchildren one day. It doesn't really matter what relationship it is, whether it's at work, you get a new job, you have hopes and dreams and desires for that position, and your employer has hopes, dreams, and desires for you. People come to church, and we have hopes, dreams, and desires about the church. And I say all of that just to show you it exists everywhere, but we really want to talk about personal relationships and the hopes, dreams, and desires that we wind up having for each other in all kinds, from friendship to marriage to parent-child, all of those kind of relationships. Now, in most of those, we don't even have these hopes, dreams, and desires really clearly always thought out. But as the relationship grows and as it changes, we get more of our box filled with our hopes and dreams and desires for that relationship. Like, you have some hopes, dreams, and desires when it comes to the future. And you think to yourself, hey, we, if you're married, you think, we're, we're going to have lots of money in the future. And the other person is thinking, well, we, we may not have lots of money, but we'll just make it on love. Love will keep us together. Somebody's thinking, hey, uh, we're, we may not have a lot of money, or even if we do have a lot of money, we're, I know one thing for sure, we're going to have a budget. We're going to take care of our money. We're going to manage our money well. We're going to be accountable for our money. And another person's thinking, you know, I don't want a budget. Budget sounds like allowance to me, and I've already done the allowance thing, and I don't need an allowance. I work for the money. It's my money, and my money's my money, and your money, my, we are, what's ours is mine. All of those kind of silly things that we say, but you, you don't want a budget. Uh, other people have these desires when it comes around, you know, the future of what, what are we going to do together and how are we going to interact with those kind of things. My hopes and desires around money and the future and those kind of things, we have them. Now, it also happens when you get into parenting. Parents have hopes, dreams, and desires for their kids. And often I don't find that we express them really well and because we often think, well, everybody has these hopes, dreams, and desires, and my hopes, dreams, and desires are good and right and true for my kid. And some of that may be true, but because we don't express them very well, they often get really mixed up. Uh, one, for instance, I always try to use with parents is uh, we often say to our kids when it comes to things like school and grades, I just want you to do your best. And... Uh, Honestly, when we say our be their best, uh, first, we know that we're not the best judge of what is best, the best our kids can do. One, you're not in the classroom. You don't see how they interact with the teacher. You don't see how they're interacting with the subject matters. And you're not all that honest about your kid's capability. We all probably tend to overestimate a little bit of what our kid is capable of. So you say to your kid, hey, I just want you to do your best but the only thing you're really happy about is an A or a B. And if it's a B, you really think they probably could do that. It's not really your best. You can do better. I'm happy with that, but it's not okay. And your kid hears you say, hey, just do your best. But then they watch how you react, and you only really react well if they get an A or a B. And they get the message. Best is not what they want. They want a grade. What they want 
is a particular grade. And it all gets goofy in this kind of thing. When kids have expectations for parents. I have the expectation, you know, your kid that, hey, my parents are going to take care of me. My parents are going to provide for me. My parents are going to love me no matter what I do. And they will certainly pay for me no matter what, no matter how long. They'll, they'll pay for me all the way through college. They'll take care of me. If I don't get a job, there'll be a place for me. My parents will pay for me. Uh, there'll always never be a day where they'll say, hey, I can't take care of that anymore because that's what parents do for their kids. And then parents have expectations for this kid getting married and they have a new family. How am I going to interact with the in-law? What is it going to be like for me to be a mother-in-law or a father-in-law? What's it going to be like with this in-law that I have? And how are we going to do vacations? Are they still going to do vacations with us? And how about uh, family holidays? Or if they come into my house for Christmas, they're always going to be at my house, and we don't even consider what's going to happen with the other in-law in this thing. And the whole thing is, you have a feeling as a parent, a lot of parents do, that even once my 35-year-old gets married, I get to tell him or her what happens in their family because, after all, I'm your mom. I'm your dad. I'm a part of your family. You know, another thing that we have around these kind of things is we, we have this expectation around, well, who does what in the relationship? Like, responsibilities in a relationship, like even in friendships, like, you know, you text your friend and you have the expectation, say, we're really good friends. They're going to they're gonna answer me no matter what. And, and how quickly do I have to answer? And how much detail do I have to go into? Like you ask me a question and you tell me something about your life. Do I have to reciprocate and tell you something equally like that in my life? How do we treat the things that we tell each other? How much time do we have to spend together for us to be considered really good friends? Like a number of years ago, and this was really, it's been a long time ago for me, I didn't really know how all this expectation worked, and I just thought everybody did friendship the way I did friendship, and the person I thought I had a good friendship with, I know they thought everybody did friendship the way they thought it, and one day I noticed uh, she's not really happy with me. Uh, I thought we had a good friendship, but I could see her as a little distance. I'm really intuitive that way, and uh, I could see that they were mad, and so we began to talk about it. What I figured out was that uh, they didn't think we were spending enough time together to really be considered friends. I'd say we're friends, and they would say, well, are we? You know, and they didn't think we should spend time together or we're spending enough. And they thought that meant we would eat together and we'd go on vacations together and that one day our kids and our families, our spouses, we'd all get along together. And eventually they, you know, he mentioned, hey, we'll probably retire to each other when I can see us being old sitting on the porch rocking together. Now, some of you know because you've seen my Friday videos that I send out and stuff like that. And you know that I have a swing that I like to swing on. And, but I just be honest with you, when it comes to my porch and my swing, if you're not my wife or my grandkids, I just soon sw swing alone. I, that's my expectation around that. But they had a different one and we had to talk about that expectation. And, oh, I almost forgot, you know, marriage, a big expectations around sex. Like how much sex are we going to have? How often is it? You, you know, uh, What's my, what's my wife? I, mean, I guarantee you the men in a relationship have expectations around sex. Like, what's my wife going to wear to bed? And she's thinking, oh, he just wants me to be comfortable. No, 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 he does not. That's not just what he wants. See, we all have these expectations when it comes to relationships of all kinds, marriage, parent, children, family, work. I could give you examples for all of those kind of things. And, of course, we all think they're good and fair in marriages and work and all the rest, which inevitably leads to conflict. And then we have expectations about how I'm going to handle conflict. 
for some people their expectation is, well, if a relationship really works, there shouldn't be any conflict because good relationships don't have conflict. And other people are like, no, all relationships have conflict and we just have to deal with the conflict. So let's just get it all out on the table. Let's just tell each other the truth and let's just talk about everything. And somebody else is saying, no, no, no. One thing you don't do in a relationship is just tell all the truth and put everything on the table because people's feelings are going to get hurt. You don't have to tell all the truth. What you do is make sure that everything you say is true. But you don't have to say it all because people's feelings will get hurt in that. And other people are like, oh, well, you know, you're going to have conflict and in conflict. Occasionally, somebody's going to raise their voice. And other people are like, oh, whoa, if you raise your voice, that's just disrespectful. You should never raise your voice in a conflict. And then a big one that I don't think hardly ever gets defined is, so how are we going to treat each other? Like, what, what, how are we going to handle all these kinds of things? Like, I have these expectations, like a, a friend will always. A, a, a spouse will always. My kid will never. You have these expectations, and they're clearly defined in your head, and they're, they're just these unspoken hopes, dreams, and desires, and they're often deeply, deeply, deeply held. And then you don't know about them in the relationship when you're on the other side until you cross one of those barriers. And then it's really hard to go back. Now, more than most of us want to admit about this kind of thing is our hopes, dreams, and desires, they almost always come in reaction to something. And what I mean by that is they're almost always about something that I saw that I didn't want or I saw something that I did want. Like, for instance, when you were younger, something happened in your family, and you're like, I'll never be a dad like that. I'll never be a mom like that. I'll never be a husband like that, I'll never be a spouse, I'll never be a friend like that. And there was something that happened and you wrote it down and you put it in your box. I, I hope I'm never like that and it's my dream that I'll never have a relationship like that. Others of them that you carry around in this invisible box of your hopes, dreams, and desires are things that you saw and you never got but you wanted one. Like you saw something in a friend and you were like, I, I want me one of those. I want a spouse like that, I want a kid like that, I want a home like that, I want a marriage like that, I want a friendship like that, I want a grandkid like that. I want one of those, and you put it in your box. Now, all of the things we carry around, they're not bad. In fact, some of them are reasonable uh, things to put in a box of what you would hope, dream, and desire in a relationship. But the one thing that all of them, they have common in my box of hopes, dreams, and desires is me. These are my hopes and my dreams and my desires. I'm the one that saw that and chose it. I'm the one that wants that. These are my hopes, my dreams, and my desires. And what we all know for sure, or at least you can sort of get intuitively, is when I take my hopes, my dreams, my desires, and I finally get to a place in a relationship where I feel comfortable enough in a friendship or a marriage or whatever, and I finally say, here, this is for you. Here are all of my hopes, my dreams, my desires for this relationship. Now you make these true for me. You take these things that I want. You're my best friend. You're my spouse. You're my wife. You're my husband. You're my kid. You're my parent. You're, you work for me. This is a great company. I want this to be a great place. Here are all my hopes, my dreams, my desires. Here I got this for you. You take this and you make it true. 
But we all know the problem with that is, even for things that are, are good, is when I take my hopes, my dreams, my desires, and I put them on you, it doesn't feel like a gift. Instead, you know, hopes, dreams, desires, they sound so light, and they sound so good, but when I take my hopes and dreams and desires that felt so light to me, and I put, you, put them on you, they don't feel light, they feel like a weight. It feels like a responsibility. It, it feels like a, a bar that you've raised that I'm not sure I can jump over. It, it feels like something that now I don't know what to do with it. I remember once uh, being with a young couple and they came in because they were having some issues in their marriage. They hadn't been married long. I wasn't even that old at that point. And they were talking through and found out it was a really a money kind of issue. And the wife and... She didn't even see this as a problem, and I didn't initially either. She just kept saying, you know, I know it's just a season, and eventually it's going to get better because he's going places. I believe in him, and he's going to go places, and we're going to have more money in the future. And I noticed that every time she said he's going places, that we aren't staying in this place forever, that he'd roll his eyes and he'd smirk a little bit. Well, me being me, about the fourth time he rolled his eyes, I said, hey, wait just a second. Are you seeing your job as a as a stepping stone to some place? Do you see it? You're going to eventually move on to something else? And he said, well, I don't see it that way. I, I love what I do, and I don't have any plans of ever doing anything different than this. And then her face changed. <laughs> it came something else, and we, we all saw it. <laughs> now, let me tell you what I've learned over the years. I got to tell you that same story because I sat in the same kind of place when it was a mom with her son, and they were talking about college. And she was saying, it's going to be like this, and he's going to do this, and he's going to do this. And every time she'd say what he was going to do, he'd roll his eyes. I've seen it with the dad, his daughter, talking about her future. And he had hopes, dreams, and desires, but they were all his for her. See, the problem with this, and you know it, is when I'm attempting to recreate something or build something or stay away from something, and my hopes and dreams and desires, they turn into expectations when I give them off to you. And it doesn't feel like love when you hand them to me. It feels like these are demands, like you're demanding this out of me. And what happens in a relationship is when we both have these boxes of invisible things in a friendship, and I take, you, I take mine and I go here, and you take yours and give it to me, we both are in a place we've handed this other thing, and we all tend to do this in almost every relationship. And then we all tend to react and almost the same way. For many of us, we just tend to, we just leave. <laughs> what we do is go, whoa, I didn't ask for this, I didn't want this, and you weren't clear about this, and I didn't sign up for this, and I'm not going to do this, and we didn't talk about this, and so here, you can just take that back, and I'm out of here. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not staying. And so then you pack up your hopes, your dreams, and your desires and you put one more in there, don't get in a relationship with that, you put it all in your little invisible box and you carry it to your next relationship. <laughs> Which is why some of you, you, you wind up in just a revolving door and you say to yourself, why is it I always seem to wind up in the same relationship in the same situation all the time or the same job all the time? Why is it I always wind up back in the same place where different name, different face, different person, but everybody just keeps on disappointing me. I hand them my hopes, my dreams, my desires, and, and they disappoint me. Now, some of us don't do that. We don't leave. 
What we do is we decide we're going to win. And, and you know what this is like. In, in many relationships, there's one person that's a little stronger than the other, and when the other person hands, they hand them their desires, and the other person goes, oh, that's not really what I thought the relationship was about. They go, oh, oh, okay, that's all right. I'll convince you. They begin to do what is just a surefire kind of bet that you're going to ruin a relationship. In fact, you want to know how to create a really dysfunctional family, a dysfunctional relationship? Here it is, convince and coerce and, you know, control. I just convince, I can uh, coerce and I control. I get in there and I see what you have and you go, oh, I see. You thought a relationship was like this. I get that, but here's what it's really like. Oh, you had in your box this hope, dream, and desire for a relationship? Well, that's because you have the wrong box. Here, take my box. My box is a good box. And you just power up and you convince and you try to get people to see that they were just wrong. And because of the power of your personality, you can just convince them. And so... You power up, and you convince, and the other person gives in, and they begin to do what you want, and you are happy. And it looks like the other person's happy for a little while until they realize, oh, I've, I, I'm not doing what I want to do until one day the person has a problem, and they can't quite fit it into your box. And then you're left saying, but I thought he was happy. I, I thought she was happy. Because who isn't happy when they have to become something somebody else made them. Who isn't happy when they have to do something that somebody else wanted to do themselves? I thought they were happy. I just need to get them back in my box. Or if you don't try to win, often the other person, you just try to conform. We become somebody we're really not, and we try to push our desires down, and we take our box, and we just take their box, and we hold on to it, and every time we're around them, we try to become the person they are, we conform to their image, we become what they are, and over time, people begin to say to you, you're not the person you used to be, and you go, oh, I'm happy, I'm happy, I'm this, I'm this kind of person, and conforming works for a while, it really works for the person that you're conforming into their image, and as long as they're happy, I'll just be happy, but over time, you eventually realize something's broken in this relationship. Now, there's another not option in that, than the ones I just presented, and that's what we're going to talk about a lot next week. But as I get to the end of my time today, I want to try to talk to you about something and give you another picture of how to look at this really quick when it comes to talking about relationships and what it is that happy families know. You see, what you haven't thought about is that when I take expectations and I hand them off to you, I create a debt-debtor relationship. Whenever I take my hopes, dreams, and my expectations, and I hand them off to you, I make you live under the assumption that you, you now owe me this. I mean, we're in a relationship, and I've now told you what I want, and you now owe me these things. I've given, I've given my life for you. I took care of you. I had two days of labor to get you born in this world, and I have paid for you forever, and we paid for college, and we give you a place to live, and I, I have done and done and done and done for you. You owe me. I work, and, I, and you stay at home, and I earn more, so you need to do this for me. You need to make sure to take care of my needs and my dreams and my desires. I, I gave you a child. I, I committed my life to you. I have sex with you whenever you ask, so you owe me. Stay in shape. Take care of the kids. Earn more money. I stood up for you when nobody else would. I mean, when you, were to, when, you, when you blew it and all your friends walked away, not me, 
I've been your friend the whole time. So you owe me. I continue to stand up for you. You owe me to be my friend. Now, you may not know this, but that kind of owe me relationship, that's not what God had in mind when he thought up relationships. And the truth is, it's not what any of us had in mind either when we think about relationships. Let me just ask you, how much gratitude do you have when somebody pays you what they owe you? I mean, how thankful are you when somebody did something that they were in debt to do for you? Like, when's the last time you went to the tire store and you put down money and you bought the tires and they agreed to mount them and they get to the end of it and you go, oh, I'm so incredibly grateful. I can't believe it. I gave you $500 for these tires and you guys did exactly what I paid you for. I will never, ever forget this day. It's the best day of my life. We aren't grateful for things that we pay people for that they owe us to do. I mean, gratefulness and the expectation you're going to do it well, that just, those don't match up. And what happens in a relationship, even good relationships, and this isn't even bad, is over time is we fall into rhythms and we ta- fall into expectations of what roles or what people are going to do. That happens in every kind of relationship. But what happens is when I begin to expect something of you, I'm not grateful for what you do. If, if Becky just does what I expect Becky to do all the time, then gratitude says, well, I don't have to be grateful You're just doing what was expected. The other thing about the debt-debtor thing that we don't think about often but is true is that it it eliminates the possibility that I can unconditionally love you because I owe you and I love you don't go together. I mean, if, if, if you owe me, I can't love you. And by that I mean if, if I owe you flowers on Valentine's Day and I get you flowers, then I just, I just paid off a debt. If I owe you a gift at Christmas and I get you a gift, we're just even. If you have expectations and you lay them on me and you expect it, then every time I meet your expectations, I just got back to level. I owe and I love. You owe me and I love you. Those don't go together. In fact, I can't even feel love where, I, where you're just doing what I expected you to do. You eliminate the potential for love when it comes to this place of you thinking that a person owes you for something. And that's no way to live. And the good news is, you don't have to live that way. You don't have to do relationships that way. You don't have to do friendships that way. You don't have to do dating that way. You don't have to do marriage that way. You don't have to do work that way. You don't have to do it that way. There is another way. And and I want to talk to you about that. And we're going to talk about it next week. But I'll end with this question that'll get us headed in that direction. So what is it I do with my hopes, dreams, and desires? If I can't take this box of hopes, dreams, and desires I have and I give them to you, what do I do with them? How do I handle it if it's not right for me to handle them off, to hand them off? And again, come back next week, you'll get the longer answer. But, but the short answer to this is, here's what you do. You, you keep them in the box. You, just, you keep them in the box, which leads to the next question. Well, how do I do that? How do I not wind up handing it off to people in my friendships and, and ruining the friendship? How do I not do that in a dating relationship? How do I not do that? 
Well, to start answering that here, I'll give you something to think about. And this is not original with me. I didn't come up with this. I've used it in other settings. I've heard it so many times. I don't really know who came up with this. But here it is. Some of you have heard me ask you this in other settings. Here's a question I want you to deal with. What do they owe you? What, is, what do they owe you? What does your spouse owe you? What, is, what, what does your friend owe you? What is it they owe you? That's the question we need to answer. And here's the answer that happy families know. People in happy relationships, here's the answer they know. The answer is nothing. They owe you nothing. In a happy family, in a happy relationship, we owe each other everything, but I expect nothing back in return. I'm not owed anything in return. I put everything into the relationship, but I am owed nothing in return. Now, that's counterintuitive. In fact, that sounds a little bit wrong, and some of you are probably going to want to argue about that, but I urge you just come back next week and hear that talked about a little bit, but I'm just telling you, happy couples, happy parent-child, happy in-law relationships, happy friendships, happy companies, here's what they know. You don't owe me. You aren't in debt to me. It doesn't make any sense, but I'll tell you something I've seen in every happy relationship and every happy family. You want to see what happy sons and, and, and dads know? I, I give everything. You don't owe me in return. You know what happy couples know? I, I give to you everything. I'm committed to you. You don't owe me. You know what happy parent, children, that, that's exactly what they know. And in those moments, there's something about it that doesn't make sense. I've seen happy couples go through situations where they have money and they don't have money, and they're happy no matter the circumstances because they realize the other person doesn't owe me anything. I've seen happy families be in an extraordinarily bad circumstance, and they're still happy. There's just a mystery around this thing. They all have something in common. They live every day fulfilling the command of Jesus, whether they knew they were fulfilling the command of Jesus or not. And here's the Bible verse, Jesus says, he says, here's what I want you to do. A new command I give you, as I have loved you, you love one another. This isn't do unto other people what I want them to do for me. This is you do for other people what I have done for you. I have given to you unconditionally while you still weren't turned toward me. You love the way I love you. You give. They don't owe you anything back. Later, a uh, a follower of Jesus, Paul expounds on it, and he says it like this, walk in the way of love. And we're going to talk about that more next week, but what does love require? What would it be like to unconditionally love the person? I want to, I want, I want to end by asking you to think about a, a couple of questions this week. And first is, I, I just want to, I want to ask you to get really clear on what's in your box. When it comes to that relationship you, you really want to make work or the one you're having conflict in, what is your hopes, dreams, and desires in that? You need to get really clear on that. And the second one is, have you willing, willing, willingly or unwillingly, have you taken it and have you put it in somebody else's lap and said, here, do this for me? Have you willingly or unwillingly taken your hopes, your dreams, your desires and said, now, you owe this to me? Happy families know. Happy couples know. Happy friends know. You don't owe me. I'm committed to you. You don't owe me at all. That's what happy families know. Is the ground, that's the groundwork for great relationships.
Come back next week, and we'll take the next step. Let's bow together, and I'll pray. Father in heaven, thank you for the chance we have to know you and for the great relationship you have with us, for, which came with, with really no, no strings attached. And while we were still far off, while we were turned against you, you gave your very best for us. You loved us. And now you've asked us to love each other in return. Help us to do that. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.